Good morning, good day, or good evening, sports fans. Thank you again for tuning in to the Nerds Who Live podcast. I'm Nicholas, and this week, me and Miss Amber Dawn sit down with the one and only Mr. Paul O'Neill. Now, Paul is actually a coach to both me and Amber for nutrition and performance, but he's also the owner of Master Athletic Performance up in Ottawa, Canada, and as well as a co-founder of One Life Incorporated MetriLife app. Now, most of you in the powerlifting community know of the MetriLife app, but it's become more and more prominent because it can help you take account of other parts of your life that are a little harder to quantify and give a visual representation for it, like sleep, uh, your mental clarity, your readiness that day, you know, just so on and so forth. And it's really an amazing app. Um, you know, it's really been helpful for me in terms of just taking account of my day-to-day state of being. And I know it has been for others as well. So we get to sit down with Mr. Paul and really just pick his brain. He's a wonderful human, very smart guy, very strong guy with lots of experience. So I hope you all take something out of it because me and Amber sure as hell did. It was a blast. So, we've been waiting to give it to y'all. So, without any further ado, Mr. Paul O'Neill on the Nerds Live Podcast. God, is he in the background? I can hear him already. Beefcake? Yeah. Yes. Who? Is there a dog? Nick, Nicholas doesn't know who Beefcake is. No, I don't, but I want to. Oh, my God. Oh, puppy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> oh, this made me... This, this made my morning. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> Uh, yep. Emotional hangover gone. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's pretty special. Um, obviously. Uh I love dogs so much. <laughs> yeah, they're they're probably the best part of my day. Him he's he can't you can't be around especially bulldogs, which are my favorite, obviously, so I'm a little biased, but uh you like can't be around them and not be smiling. Yeah. I, um, when I was younger, I was lucky enough. I had a um, uh, half boxer and a half bulldog uh, mix. So he oh, was a re- yeah, he was a really cool. And actually, I called him Cooler. That's what. And uh, he was, <laughs> but he was, he was just the coolest dog. It was, so, he was so obedient. He was just so happy. Uh, like, yeah, he he made my childhood. So. Oh yeah, for sure. It was, but but uh, hi man, I'm Nicholas. I really enjoy meeting having you on. So how are you? Well, I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Just uh, enjoying a nice leisurely Sunday. Same, same. I'm currently like fueling up on a whole pot of coffee right now. I'm tired. <laughs> I just had a nitro, so I'm pretty good. Nice. So you guys Very are nice. what? Two hours ahead. Two o'clock now. Yeah, two hours. Okay. Where do Where do you live again, Paul? I'm in Ottawa. Okay. All right, got it. Where Where are you at? So I live in uh, Ventura, California. It's uh, okay. it's about 
don't know, 60 miles, no, a little actually, about 50 miles north of Malibu. On the coast. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a cool little beach town. Yeah. I love California. If the taxes weren't so high, I might consider moving there, but. Are they higher than fucking Ottawa? Like <laughs> pretty close. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think Calif- doesn't California have the highest state tax? Mm, no, we're up there, but it's not too bad. It's like seven percent. So it depends on what you're looking for. So we have some higher state. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, land tax. Like if you buy, if you buy a prop, property tax, we have a slightly higher property tax. Our sales tax is about seven point something. Oh, that's not that bad. No, which is pretty normal. Um, our gas taxes are a little bit higher. So our you know, gas prices are, but it's pretty normal for other cities, you know, like around. So if you go to more like, like Seattle or anywhere else, they're yeah. going to be pretty close. So it's really not that bad. It just depends on where you like, I obviously like I'm, 60 miles north of LA proper, but in yeah. a different county. So, um, so rent is a little bit. So like a rent, for, I have a two bedroom, one bath place and I'm a few hundred shy of 2K a month for it, um, but in the middle of town. So like that's, the rent is really the- That's not, that's not too bad. Yeah, it's really not. Like it, it's not Every as bad. Bed. Maybe. She is. <laughs> I didn't just get out of bed, okay? I just spent the last three hours working. Sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, the lighting is good up here, okay? You can see my face. Yes. You can see my face. You're fine. But, all in all, if you you, you ever consider moving here, I'll I'll help you. (laughs) We'll make it happen. (laughs) We'll see. I just bought a house, so that probably won't happen anytime soon. True, but you can always sublet that house and make that money. So, yeah, and I was on the other side of the country, and it's yeah, that's true. Em- Ember was complaining. She said you moved, and she wasn't happy about it. So, well, in my defense, I wasn't very happy about it either. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, then nobody's happy about it, Paul. So, <laughs> yeah, um, but now you're you're out there. Like, you actually you're training with Stu now, right? Like, you guys get to train together. We're or no. Training together. Yeah. We're training together. <laughs> um, yeah. Within it's, six feet apart. The, um, the, the gym we're training at is in uh, our buddy Paul's garage. And Paul lives mm-hmm. like a 15-minute walk from my house. Nice. So, like, I could walk to the gym. I usually do, unless it's, like, freezing, like today. But um, And then we just have a rotation, so there's not more than two of us in there at the same time. Clean up after we leave and... Pretty sweet. Be responsible, I'm, adults. Yeah, it works. <laughs> yeah, because our, our ICUs are so overrun with people. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, 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 oh, yeah. I actually I have, have my own my, thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend of mine. She's a nurse. Uh, wanna, I want to say in Ottawa. I'd have to ask her. I know it's she's in your side of Canada, and she's she, she'll text me and, like, and be like, dude, I'm – so I'm so tired. <laughs> like we're we're struggling. <laughs> so. Well, they're they're working a lot of hours and they're they've changed a lot of their schedules, but in general, our ICUs aren't packed. No. 
They're not. Do you see the uh, Amber? Do you read the National Post? I've been keeping up with it recently. Okay, the National Post just put put out an article about exactly that. They're like, we have no people. We're no. waiting for this rush of people, and the people aren't coming. Like everything has just been, in my opinion, so incredibly overblown. Yeah. Um, I understand the purpose of what they're doing, but at the same time, like this is crap. No, I think the purpose of what they're doing is, I, I think, I, I'm, I have a bit of a pessimistic view. I think they're trying to um, convince us that we need more protection. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a really scary place to be. As soon as you have the government interfering with the economy, like if you look at unemployment, we, have, we now have 40% of our population that's, that is reliant on the government to put a roof yeah. over their head and food on our table. That's scary. That's scary. Yeah, we're getting close to that also here. Um, and like I, so I, I have a buddy of mine who is a genetic scientist and he's currently studying like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a lifter. His name is uh, Yu Yu. Um, Yu Yu Ren. He's a deadlift panda, like on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's a genetic scientist. Like that's what he does. And, um, so one of, he's one of the smartest guys and he has access, I mean, they're public peer reviewed medical reports, but he gets them regularly. So he'll mm-hmm. send me all, you know, all of the medical reports from people in his field who are studying and whatnot. And from that point of view, I mentioned it a few times because I think, because it doesn't really get reported on mm-hmm. most of the guys working on it. So, so they, they have the whole genetic map of the virus mapped out completely. They know the spike protein, they know what it binds to, they know what they need to do in order to inhibit it and to knock it. So it's just a matter of buying time for all those things that they've, that they've mapped to test them. Um, and so from, like from his point of view as like a, medic, like a genetic scientist, they want to try to buy as much time to work on those things so that way they don't get pushed by any government to to force out a therapy before it's been tested and then create a whole new problem that's totally reasonable yeah totally from from that like you know scientific point like what they do that's that's their current stance that they're trying to do um on that and endorse that yeah yeah so he's great to follow he put like whatever medical reports he gets or whatever that are relevant like he'll he shares them and he explains it um which is pretty cool that he's doing that and since he works in the field but uh anyways uh uh, but yeah paul i i really appreciate you coming on and i was hoping um you could like introduce yourself and then you know your background i'll say i know you work with amber and then how you got um, involved in, you know, uh, it's MetLife, right? The app that you Metric. guys met. Metric, thank you. Um, Metric, kind of yeah. A little bit about that. Um, and yeah, just we'd love to pick your brain today. Sure, man. So um, I actually started training, um, transitioning from high school to university, just preparing for uh, university basketball and uh, ended up um Redshirting my first year, not really playing, and then uh, kind of falling out of love with the sport, but I really love training. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty athletic. Maybe I should just play football. So I played a couple years of football and then 
ended up having a knee injury and it was through the rehab from that surgery where I kind of fell in love with, with strength and conditioning and, and rehabilitation sciences. Um, decided I wanted to be a collegiate strength coach. So I went down to Florida and did an internship at uh, the University of South Florida. And it was there where I started competing in powerlifting. Um, and so through my travels as a strength coach, I was at the University of South Florida, then at Robert Morris University, uh, then back at the University of Tampa. And then I was the head strength coach up here at Queens University uh, in Kingston, Ontario. Uh, continued to compete, continued to progress. Um, once I was uh, decided that I didn't want to be a strength and conditioning coach anymore, I transitioned into my current role uh, as a functional rehab specialist with an insurance company up here. So I helped to coordinate treatment plans for individuals trying to get back to work off of disability. Um, I do the coaching on the side as kind of a side hustle uh, with my company, Master Athletic Performance. And then uh, also launched the app, uh, MetriLife, which is a, an intelligent approach to help people live healthier, happier, and stronger. So it provides people with the opportunity to uh, track their metrics, so their lifestyle metrics, and then be provided with reminders and recommendations for how to improve their behaviors over time. So uh, I've got a lot on the go. Uh, I like to stay busy. And uh, yeah, I just moved out back home to Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, just trying to ride out this COVID thing. Yeah. As, as we do. Um, so real quick, so what you do for the insurance companies, I don't think, like, we don't really have that in the States. We don't have, so could you explain more, like, how you, in terms of, like, working with, uh, like, coming disability kind of a thing? Like, what does that totally. look like? So my role is essentially, a, I, I act as a subject matter expert in rehabilitation. So um, when it comes to both physical and mental illness, um, we receive all kinds of, of, of claims. And there are special criterion that, that have to be met in order to be referred to our department. Once that criterion is met, our goal is to optimize the client's rehabilitation intervention to facilitate their functional improvements and return to work. So none of what I actually do is hands-on. I do review treatment plans that they're undergoing with either uh, their physiotherapist, occupational therapist, psychologist, um, make recommendations, uh, and then I also work with employers to successfully reintegrate those people back into the workplace. And that's kind of been a catalyst for creating the app because um, a lot of what I do with claimants is like lifestyle coaching. Um, not therapy, nothing hands-on, um, but just general guidance on healthy behaviors, healthy habits, uh, motivational interviewing, and things like that. Um, to really kind of motivate people uh, to make those small improvements. And that was a huge transition for me because coming from a collegiate strength and conditioning background where I'm essentially yelling all day um, and trying hmm. to, get, to run faster, jump higher, lift heavier, um, to g dealing with you know Jane Smith, a 51-year-old female who can't step out of her house because she's agoraphobic. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so and, that, was, that was that was an interesting transition. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. That's a that's a big mindset difference uh, for Ooh. the first part. What was um, kind of the birth of of the app? Like, how did was it brought to you, or was it your brainchild? And then so the evolution my, of that. 
my business partner, Jay Nira, who is, um, you know, one of the OGs of powerlifting, a tremendous coach in his own right, um, someone who I've learned from quite a bit, uh, brought the idea to me as a way to monitor our athletes when they weren't in the gym. So how do we optimize their training to accommodate their lifestyle? Because uh, we all know that the 20, 22 or 23 hours we spend outside of the weight room influence that one or two hours of training that we do inside of it. So it's okay. How do we give them a tool where we can use it to, um, to optimize their training? And then over time, like this app took about five years to get onto the market. Um, it, it evolved into a tool they could use to do that for themselves. It evolved into, um, you know, a mental health piece and accountability piece. And now it's actually the only app on the market that directly links mental and physical performance um, and provides you with the actual links and relationships between the two that are specific for you. So once you've used the app for a few days, it actually adjusts itself with the algorithms in integrated um, for you. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's come a long, long way from its inception. Um, I remember our first beta version looked like uh, almost like a Pong game. <laughs> super simple super rudimentary uh and then to what we have now it's been uh, it's been pretty cool to be a part of that and you as a coach you utilize it a lot for your clients as well um yep so I like i i'm not i totally admit it's not being very consistent with it and it's just something that i've actually set an alarm on my phone mm -hmm. um but as a, as a coach or a personal trainer myself, this would be amazing for me to have my clients utilize as well. And it keeps that relationship um, between mental and physical really balanced um, so you can see how they're doing on a regular basis and help them progress. It's an, it, it is both an accountability tool and an awareness tool. Because a lot of the time with when you're working with any clients or even yourself, it's like, I might not be feeling well, but I kind of just brush it off because identifying that in my day to day isn't necessarily like quote unquote important. It's just, okay, this is how I feel, whatever I got to go on with my day. Mm -hmm. But being accountable to, to actually acknowledging it be like, okay, I don't feel well in X, Y, and Z area, but I feel well in A, B, and C. Is there a relationship here? Is there something going on where I could change a and end up with X being higher. Great. I just made an improvement. Um, so that, uh, that self-awareness is for me, the biggest key. And then as a coach, when I have a client using it, it really becomes uh, a conversation starter. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, you're not hitting the numbers that you're supposed to be hitting in training and your body weight might not be coming down the way we want it to, or might not be coming up the way we want it to. Well, I notice that your stress is really high and your appetite's really low. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, maybe if we monitor or put in some strategies to improve your stress management, we can get your appetite to come up. Then you can eat a little bit more, recover better, get stronger. Um, it's always about the, you know, the low-hanging fruit. It's what small change can I make or what small piece of advice can I provide to have the biggest global difference? And unless you have a tool to show you what your baseline is, mm -hmm. you never necessarily know where to make those small changes. 
No, and I appreciate that there's a, there's a journaling aspect to it. Um, and rather than just going through the prompts and I was at like a level eight today on stress, um, at the end it, it asks you, like you're able to kind of explain why you gave the answers or the numbers that you gave. I appreciate that. Cause then it, it really, it forces you to really dig deep and to kind of admit to yourself why you're feeling such ways. It's a bit cathartic. It's like, okay, well, you know, my stress with money was really high, but I've been spending a lot of money on coffees lately. So, okay, maybe if I cut that down, then things will feel a little bit better. Or, you know, for myself, money the last couple, the last week's been tough because, you know, there were some unforeseen medical expenses. Now I'm purchasing yeah. a home. I was like, man, like, I'm not really struggling for money, but I'm thinking about it more often. Maybe I should be a little bit more cognizant of my spending. So the other day I made a budget and I was like, okay, well, at least I know where all my money's going. I feel a little bit better about things. And, and I definitely noticed just a much better sense of calm. So it's just, these examples are very simple things, but it, mm-hmm. it promotes me to act. It promotes me to be uh, action oriented. Yeah. And in most cases, our stressors or our fears are caused by things that were, were that aren't going to happen or may not happen. So that only has two outcomes. You either worry about something that's never going to happen and it does happen and you worried for no reason because it happened anyway, or you worry all this time and nothing happens. So you wasted your time. Both instances, you're the one who's, you know, put out because you spent all this time being worried about something you had no control over. Well, mm-hmm. let's put some control in your hands and let's act and let's be accountable. And then you'll just notice your stress just comes way down. Yeah. And then I know cause I'm in, um, I actually was getting it while you were talking and downloading it. Cause I wanted to kind of like look at it at real time. Um, mm. I know that you get a little screenshot at the end of the week with that kind of little like dial that kind of shows you, where all that is at and we get that every day actually that updates every day and then there's also a week view where you can see your data from the whole week and then there's a month view where you have a calendar that'll show you all your data as well Mm -hmm. um those are really good when you're you're just kind of contemplating how you've been doing or doing some reflection you can also track different activities or habits or behaviors that you're undergoing every day and keep track of the frequency of those so like I keep track of how many coffees I have, how many walks I go on, um, how many times I, you know, relax with my puppy. Uh, Cause I notice a correlation between on days when I spend more time with my dog, I feel less stressed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to hang out with my dog more than I hang out with people. And I'll just be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if we all hung out with your dog more, we'd all be better off. So I think so. I think so. Um, so, so like I said, I just, so I, I finally, I actually was waiting. I've been wanting to get it, but since we had talked about having you on, I was like, I'm going to, I wanted to do it. What, totally. um, what kind of, since obviously being part of the creators of it, are there any like tidbits of it, of, of utilizing it that maybe most people don't know right off the bat that you, you know. So the question we probably get the most is like, when is the best time to use it? Uh, personally, I use it twice a day. So I use it in the morning. I'll go through a couple of the journaling prompts. So I'll use the gratitude journal, the goals journal, and the STEM a day journal. 
Mm. The goals is just a couple things that I want to accomplish today. Usually reminders to slow down, breathe, what Mm. I have on my to-do list, things like that. Then the gratitude journal really helps me keep perspective. And I find actually at a time like this where we might be inundated with all the negative things going on around us. It's really important to take, take stock of the good. Yeah. Yeah. We are quarantined, but like I've been living away from home for a year and a half. I get to hang out with my mom. Like that's for me, that's awesome. Um, And then the stem a day journal is actually something that Jay developed and he wrote a book. Um, It's a, a sentence stem. So the the beginning of a sentence that prompts you to finish that sentence repetitively. Um, And he designed it in a way um, where it promotes more of a sense of positive energy or, or, and, and empowerment. Um, and I find doing that first thing in the morning really sets my intent for the day. Um, so something as simple as if I'm 5% more enthusiastic today, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. About how many amazing things you could accomplish if you were just 5% more enthusiastic. Yeah. You're unlocking an incredible amount of potential. Um, and so those three I'll do in the morning. And then at the end of the day, as kind of a brain dump. Um, right before I lie down in bed, I'll just sit on the edge of the bed, do my met, put in my metrics, do a little bit of journaling. It takes about three, four minutes. And then I'll put my phone away, relax, read a book, and go to bed. Nice. So it and helps me with my morning routine and my nighttime routine. Yeah. And it, it's very like in terms of like a positive affirmation, but I feel like that's a bit more but it's a bit more structured. Like that's always yeah. been my, my issue with like personally with like say journaling or positive affirmation or any of that is it's very arbitrary. And it's very big. Um, so, and, and that bothers me. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it's my, my own learning nature. I don't like vague. It's almost upsetting or people say, you know, Oh, journal, try journaling to help yourself process trauma and emotions, which I've tried and it's just been frustrating. Like I just get irritated because um, I don't have, you know, the, I try to write it out. It's not the right I, words. Like I, I can definitely empathize there. And that's like a type A personality. Like if you're yeah. a self-professed nerd, like you're, you're very structured, your routine, your, your, your type. Yeah. <laughs> so without, without a framework, you have trouble thinking abstractly. Um, you have trouble being empathetic um, and introspective because it, these are things that there's no rule book for. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I first started journaling, like I do a lot of freehand journaling as well, like a couple times a day usually. Um, and for me, it all started with a few questions. So every day when I sat down, I was like, I don't know what to write about. Like, what do I do? And then, um, the therapist I was seeing was like, okay, why don't you ask yourself a few questions? And she's like, doesn't matter what they are. Just ask yourself the same questions every day and write about them. So the ones I came up with were, how was my day yesterday? What do I plan on doing today? What am I stressed out about? Is there something I can do to address that right now? And then the last one was, what am I grateful for? Mm -hmm. Five questions. And some days it took me five minutes. Some days it took me 45 minutes. Um, when you're going through a lot of stressful times, just writing and just starting to write. And I, I know some people like to handwrite. Personally, my hand cramps and I don't like it. So I, <laughs> yeah, I turn off the spell check on my Word, my Microsoft Word, and I'll type. 
So I'm not going back and making corrections. I'm just typing. Yeah. And so it all started with the, just those five questions. And those are five questions I still kind of ask myself today when I go journaling, but at least I have an idea of what I want to write about and I have some structure to it. So that that's tip one of the podcast. <laughs> have yeah. questions that you, you ask yourself when you journal. And um, that's kind of the premise of the app. It's like, we're just giving you tools. That's all we wanted to do is give you tools. The reminders and recommendations, they are, they're not hard, fast rules. It's not like, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to be doing. It's you're heading towards this trajectory of say, you know, you are trending towards low sleep and high stress. That's because the app recognized that over the last few days, you were sleeping poorly and more stressed. Mm -hmm. So the recommendations in there would be, here are some stress management strategies you can try. Here are some sleep hygiene strategies you can try. Sleep and stress interact through these mechanisms. Would you like to journal about it? Would you like to see what this looks like in a graph? And it'll actually plot your stress and your sleep in a line graph for you to see the relationship with one another. And so it's, it's just more ways for you to create those associations in your day-to-day life, which is things that you need to be doing anyway. And some of it, some of it is not rocket surgery. Okay. Like if your stress is high, some people have a really high appetite when their stress is high. So the easy fix is manage your stress and then you won't be so hungry. Or if you're, if you're the opposite, manage your stress and you're, you'll be more hungry. Like that's just an example of this dichotomy that can get created, which like not every person is the same. So yeah. knowing, knowing yourself and how you respond to these situations is super empowering. Yeah. And then giving physical representations like a graph to mm-hmm. create those associations with is huge. Um, I appreciate that. So, you know, as a dyslexic learner, you know, growing up, I needed and I still do, I need some sort of reference or association to anchor different types of information for myself. Um, oh, it helps, helps a great deal. I'm, I'm yeah. quite a visual person as well. Like mm-hmm. usually someone can explain something, something to me and I'll have like a kind of general idea, but once I see it, I'm good. Yeah. Well, trying to appeal to the different learning styles. Um, we're also working on uh, putting like, so we have the capability to put in YouTube links to the alerts. Nice. So what we're going to do be doing is like, say if there's a stress alert that goes off, we've got a few of our brand partners that uh, are involved in yoga or meditation, things of that nature. So we're just going to include a link to one of their videos that they, you know, a stress meditation for five minutes. Yeah. You know, so now we're getting into direct intervention strategies mm-hmm. and it just adds a whole nother layer to the, the benefits of the app. Yeah, which is really cool. And again, like you said, about giving tools and teaching somebody, because I feel like most people, again, it's self-care or self-help, however you want to say it, it always seems very vague and it's always like, we'll go get help. Or if you have the money, you know, go get therapy. And it's you going to someone and going to something to help you, but it's not teaching. You know, you're not, you're not getting, you're not understanding the tools. You're just you're having somebody help you out, lead you. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that can make the changes. Yeah. That's right. 
So that works in a couple different ways. So number one, the most beneficial things that you can do for yourself are exactly that things you do for yourself. So like, Mm -hmm. if you think about an injury, you're going to heal your injury faster by going through range of motions, putting blood into it, moving around things like massage, acupuncture, whatever things that are done to you are seldom proven to be more effective than things you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, when you get into uh, why we decided to, to provide tools and strategies rather than hard, fast guidelines, it's because you will never make a, a permanent behavior change or a meaningful behavior change unless you know why you're making that change. So unless you're educated on the reasons behind why you're doing what you're doing and you can create that association in your mind, nothing will be permanent. It's just this dopamine rush of like, hey, I get a gold star because I slept longer tonight. Yeah. Eventually, the gold star becomes meaningless and you stop sleeping as much. Right. But if I ingrain that, that, that importance in my mind to say, okay, I am sleeping well because I need to be productive tomorrow and my sleep and my productivity are related. So ergo, I need to prioritize my sleep. Yeah. We're creating positive change. There's no, behavior, there's no uh, dopamine spike um, and it's go- likely going to last longer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, with me just working with Paul um, for, it's almost been six months now. I know. Crap. <laughs> um, like I, prior to working with Paul, I took my training very serious and my recovery very serious, but it was never to the level that I do now. And just having to check in with him um, and diet, diet was the biggest aspect for me becoming from a background like eating disorders. Um, I thought it was eating okay. And then Paul called me all my shit. <laughs> but the whole reiteration is I've definitely had times where I've wanted to eat like shit or I've wanted to binge. Like that Mm -hmm. is the first thing I go to when I get stressed out. But my mindset has completely changed towards if I eat like this, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, feel like garbage and my training is going to be impacted. Yep. That was a big switch for me as well. Um, So like I would be really good for like six days of the week. And then that seventh day, like in the evening, I would just go, go ape shit mm-hmm. and then i wake up the next morning and then it's been the whole rest of the week feeling like trash and eventually i was just like this isn't worth it um no. and i still do like i love ice cream so like mm-hmm. i'm gonna eat ice cream sometimes i haven't in the last little bit simply because i just honestly haven't wanted to but i know that every time i eat ice cream i feel like shit so it's like okay is this really worth it well my birthday yeah i'm gonna have some cake or I'm going to have whatever. It's my birthday. I'm, it's one day a year or whatever. If I'm, you know, if I'm going on a date with somebody and, and going out for a nice meal, like I'll have a nice meal, but I might make some adjustments for the rest of my day. I might make some mm-hmm. adjustments the next day. I fit it in however I need to. And, and the, I, I heard a quote today and that it's something that I've used in reference to like meat preps and stuff like that. It's there is no one single day that you will get stronger but there is one single day where you can fuck it all up. Yeah. So you can eat in like in a tremendous fashion, all healthy, all week. Your goal is weight loss. You're eating in a caloric deficit. You've accumulated a deficit of 3,500 calories, which is great. I know I'm going to lose a pound of fat, blah, 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 blah. Saturday comes around in the evening, you dummy a pizza and some ice cream. You just netted your 3,500 calories gone. Your week's over. You have to restart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
putting in those healthy behaviors. That's the key. And, and switching your mindset about it. It's like food is a tool. Um, yeah. Food is fuel, but it's also part of our culture. It's also part of our social. It, it, there are things about food that are greater than macros and calories. And unless you provide respect to those aspects, you're never going to have consistency in the long term. So the example I always give is like, okay, I've eaten for a week and a week straight. The macros have been on. And I know that on Saturday I want to go on a date with this girl and, you know, we're going to go for steak and and it's going to be a high fat meal. So I just undershoot my fats earlier in the day and I go enjoy my meal. Maybe I'm over on my calories. Maybe I'm not. But at the end of the day, like I, I accommodated it in some fashion mm-hmm. so that I know I'm doing a good job. Mentally, I'm like, hey, sweet, you did good. I go and I enjoy my meal. And then the next day I wake up and I start back over again as if nothing happened. And I enjoyed that meal. I was present in it. It was, it was delicious. I didn't eat till I got sick. And then you move on, you know? And that's, it's really tough to teach people that. It's tough to teach people this all or nothing is bullshit. Well, the first thing they think is like, if I'm going to have somebody start watching what I'm eating or if I have to change what I'm eating, they immediately think they need to give everything up. Mm-hmm. It means I can never have cake or ice cream or cookies or anything ever again. And that's what deters them from making the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, the example I, get, I, I I can take is like last night. So, um, you know, through this, isolation stuff I've been living with my mom and it's Easter like my while we're not a religious family like it's an excuse to be with family and so mm-hmm. we had each other my brother and his family are, are isolating themselves so I made my mom dinner I know that she likes ribeye ribeye super fatty so I just didn't have any other beef that whole day and I saved up a little bit of extra fats for that meal I still tracked everything. I still made sure that I was, you know, doing the best that I could within the framework of my diet. I ate my ribeye and I was on with my day. Like it was delicious. And I actually had another meal that night. So I just ate that next meal and it was fine. Um, and that's where the flexible dieting comes into play. Mm-hmm. It's like flexible dieting gets this bad rap because it's like, oh, I can eat Pop-Tarts and it's the same. No, it's fucking not. I don't care. You can get shredded eating Pop-Tarts for sure, but you're probably going to, at the end of your diet, be eating one Pop-Tart and and egg whites all day, which is bullshit. No one wants to do that. Mm -hmm. So this 80-20 rule um, comes into play. It's like if 80% of the foods that you eat are are whole foods, natural sources, single ingredient, et cetera, you have that 20% of food that you kind of play with. As long as you hit your macros, you're probably going to get where you want to go. And that plays into my coaching philosophy is like, okay, if someone's trying to cut weight for a meat to weigh in, I'm probably going to tell them exactly what to eat just because it's easier and it's simple and it's temporary. Other than that, I'll give them macros. I'll give them an approved foods list that typically work well for most people. And I always ask like, are there foods that you can't live without? Because if we're going to put a diet together, you're going to need to eat those foods. Yeah. If you tell me you have to eat chocolate every day, you're going to eat chocolate every day. You're probably going to not be able to eat as much other food, which sucks for you, but you made that choice. Um, And we're going to move on and we're going to adjust as we go. Some people can get away with that. Some people can't. Personally, my body holds on to fat. Nobody's business. If I want to diet, I have to suffer usually. Um, 
but this time uh, I've been dieting for about 10 weeks and I've lost 10, 11 pounds almost. And I'm still eating like 3000 calories a day, but that's because I haven't cheat. There's literally been not a single day I've gone over my macros. Yeah. It's very um, fifth. Yeah, which is I'm definitely a lot like Paul where I hold fat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's one, been a major struggle. Which is like this. Right? Oh, like, pa- I, pa- I pack on muscle food. like nothing. Exactly. It's not a struggle yeah. for me. Yeah, for sure. So I, I have a, t- a two-part question. So so you and Amber, I think, are kind of similar, like you just said, but you gotta hold on to fat, but you guys I'm getting you probably do also pack on muscle fast. Um I, I know she does. I I I don't know if I do anymore. Honestly, like I used to be, I was like 255 at one point and I still could see my abs. Right. Um, I was pretty fat though. I just don't g- generally don't hold much body fat in my midsection. But late, one thing I have noticed is that the leaner I get when I diet, the leaner I stay as I gain weight. And I, and I think that that strategy holds true for most people. It's like, if you... So let's talk as a strength athlete, because, you know, Amber and I both compete in powerlifting. Neither of us are bodybuilders. Neither of us want to step on stage. Yeah, me too as well. Boston okay, so if you give yourself a period where you don't care about your strength for a little bit and you suffer and diet and get super lean, when you get back to strength training and add those calories back in, your strength comes back like this mm-hmm. and your body composition holds. Right. Then every time you diet, because you've made, you're more insulin sensitive, you've been leaner, you're likely leaner when you're starting the diet, you don't have to suffer as much. So like, like I said, I've done this whole like, well, two years ago, I got shredded and I was suffering. I was eating like 1600 calories a day and doing an hour of cardio. And when I say an hour of cardio, it was like intense, like elliptical step mill, like 400 calories a pop twice a day. Um, it was brutal, but I was shredded. As soon as I started lifting again, I had, I got back up. It was great. I was just as strong as I was before, uh, but way leaner. Then I hung out around that same body weight, kept creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And then recently I was like, ah, I kind of want to diet again. I'm back within, within six or seven pounds of where I was when I was shredded. I'm much leaner than I was at this last body weight and I'm still eating way more calories. Cause I, I think I've put on muscle. I think yeah. my metabolism is just generally higher because I've been eating so much food for so long. Um, and that's as a strength athlete, that's kind of where you want to be. But you, yeah. I, I think you'd have to go through that period. And, and especially for myself being a former fat kid, like I never dieted. Yeah. I, I dieted, but as soon as I ever thought I was having like, if I had one bad workout, I'd go cheat. Yeah. So so I, I have to kind of selfishly ask or give kind of get your input. So like I said, we kind of had, you know, yours and Amber's. So for like for mine, I'm a naturally lean and skinny person. Okay. I don't, I, pack, I don't pack on muscle easy. I pack on muscle very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't hold on to fat except for my, except for my hips. It's like a genetic thing. Oh, like the guys in my family, you know, the, you know, the hip area is like the only place that I, I hold and I even got a body scan probably about four months ago and it didn't put me about 10% even a body fat and it's just right on hips. Yeah. 
Yeah, just, just, yeah, just there. Like everywhere else, like, fuck all. Um, and so for me, and I, when I started powerlifting almost two years ago, I weighed in, my average was probably in the high or early 170s. And so I've been trying to put on. Um, eventually, I would like to be in a 100 kilo class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, and also, like, I don't, I don't actually come, I don't, I've never had eating, like, overeating issues. I can actually, I pack it down, I can eat, but I've never had, um, you know, like, I have you a never beer. never disordered eating or anything. Yeah, I have a beer if I want one. I will have, if I want ice cream, I have, like, a little bit of ice cream, and I'm happy, and I can put it back. I don't, I've never so, had, you know, which so is the first, the first question I would ask you if you came to me and were like, Paul, I need to gain weight, I'm having trouble. The number one thing I would ask is, have you ever tracked your macros? So do you know what you're eating? And usually the answer is no. Then the answer is, okay, can you do a food log for me for three days? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure. I eat a lot. And that first day will be a lot of food. Probably like, you know, four or 5,000 calories. And that second day is probably like 2,000. Then the next day is probably like halfway. And then if I had to do five days, there'd be another big day and then a couple little days. So the barrier to entry again becomes awareness. It's like, are you really aware of how much you eat? My favorite is like, man, I eat so much food. I have like four eggs for breakfast. Hmm. I have a client eating 12 eggs a day. That's a lot of eggs. <laughs> he loves eggs. He tolerates them well. His cholesterol is fine. So who cares? But, and they fit within his macros. He just mm-hmm. does it. So you have to be aware of how much you're eating. The next is, if how much you're eating isn't helping you gain weight, you have to eat more. And not only one day, you have to eat more every single day. So it's like, okay, to a point, you can get by with good food. So like, usually it's around that 4,500 to 5,000 calorie mark where people are like, this is, I'm, I'm not full. I'm not, or sorry, I'm not hungry. I cannot eat as much. Then you have to get creative. So then you get into strategies like, um, upping your intra workout carbs. So like mm-hmm. I've had people up to 150 grams of carbs during training. Mm-hmm. It's 150 grams of carbs seems like a lot, but in reality, it's only like, it's like 600 calories. Um, but it's easy calories. It's easy calories. You don't really notice it. And if it's dextrose or cyclic dextrin or something like that, it's in and out of your stomach really quickly and your, your appetite isn't affected. The next is, all right, well, let's reduce the vegetables. So reduce the fiber, okay? That might sound counterintuitive, but if you're eating, say you're eating six or 700 grams of carbs from rice and potatoes, you're gonna be getting enough fiber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're fine. Then you're like, oh, well, the micronutrients. If you're eating 5,000 calories of anything, you're getting enough micronutrients. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Next is, okay, am I eating too much protein? Because protein is very satiating. So with some of my athletes, I actually have to drop their protein down a little bit. So it might not be even at that one gram per pound. But if you're eating 5,000 calories, your insulin's high enough, you're not going to be breaking down muscle. So playing with the variables to get the desired outcome. If you're trying to lose weight, the opposite is true. So if you're you're super hungry, you might try increasing your protein. Uh, We might try increasing your vegetables, decreasing your intra-workout carbs, adding some fruits, adding some, some more satiating foods. Um, and, uh, having a coach that knows how to manipulate, that's really important. Um, 
but back to your question, because I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent, it's if I don't have a baseline, I don't know where to move from. So if you're just yeah. eating intuitively, there's going to be way too much play in the system. So yeah. whenever I, like, I'm an analytical person. So whenever I think of a problem, I'm like, okay, this is calculus. So mm-hmm. energy in, energy out, it's calculus. Energy in is the food I eat. Energy out is training, metabolism, neat. Mm-hmm. I want to stabilize as many variables as I can. So I have them track their, track their steps, neat, controlled variable, boom. I know that they're training five days a week. That's controlled variable, boom. Metabolism, it'll continue to rise as you eat more food up to a point. Now we go to energy in. If I'm not controlling that variable, it doesn't fucking matter what I'm doing on the other side. Yeah. So it's, it's that way. As, as, long, as soon as we have that equation up on the board and I know that energy in is greater than energy out, we're good. The only thing you can't directly measure is your metabolism. Yeah. So that's why you use common sense. If my energy in is the same, my energy out is stabilized except for my metabolism and I'm not gaining weight, I need to increase this. Mm-hmm. So it, it, well, I guess people can't see me, but I'm saying increase energy in. So yeah, you put your hand, your hand up. And so, and like for, you know, and I guess I'm, you know, I'm, I'm asking both like for selfish reasons for myself, because I think it's a lot of the examples, like if I, you know, look up for stuff, a lot of people kind of come from the opposite end of the spectrum while my not. I think uh, what you're trying to do is much harder. Yeah. Like gaining muscle is hard it is yeah. a metabolically intensive process it is slow it is arduous and if you're already playing with a fixed deck of genetics like you're gonna have to work and you're gonna have to eat and you're gonna have to not be afraid of getting a little fluffy because you cannot we can do little things that preferentially will kind of entice your body to build muscle things like keeping our energy expenditure high through 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 weight training and through neat um that will preferentially keep your insulin sensitivity high you'll likely shuttle more nutrients you'll partition your nutrients better but if you're in a caloric surplus you will you will a little bit of fat yeah yeah Yeah, and that was kind of like what i was like in in putting on because like now right now i'm i'm hanging out i mean i haven't checked but I was hanging out between about 196 to 200, mm-hmm. um, really 196, 198. And that was great. Um, I was like, cool. That's a, that's a good, I'm, I'm glad I'm hanging out at that spot. Then of course, since gym's closing, I have weights and stuff at home. So I'm staying up obviously as much as I can with training and having to be flexible with that. But it definitely has created a, a much different, you know, uh, issue but yeah but some fluff that comes along with it is you know like not too and it's not bad like i'm like you know i like yeah. myself for the most part but i'm just not as strong as i like to be and that's like it's like if i'm a little fluffy but i'm getting stronger i don't give a fuck but if that's like the strength is still kind of just like eh, and then the fluff is there that's when my body dysmorphia kicks in <laughs> so there's a couple of different ways you can do that and for the most part my guidance towards people during this time has been just to try and maintain you have to do the best with what you have where you are. So right now, if you just have a couple a couple weights at home, the chances of you putting on muscle are slim to none. I, I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble, 
you can get some good workouts in. You can make yourself tired. You can get that endorphin release. You can get that mental health benefit. But the chances of you building muscle during this time if you don't have access to a gym is relatively low. So adjust your nutrition accordingly. If your energy mm-hmm. expenditure is going to be lower, eat a little bit less. If you're, you know, you're in a phase of you're like, I'm trying to put on muscle, maybe you put that on hold, come back down to maintenance calories. Um, or maybe it's an opportunity you've been bulking or quote unquote bulking for you know, four or six months, maybe you do a mini cut during this period and reduce your calories, go into deficit, get, you know, take advantage of the increased metabolic uh, demand of the workouts that you're doing and uh, get yourself a little bit more insulin sensitive, drop a little bit of body fat, and then get back onto the bulk when you can get back into the gym. And if you do any of those, that's you being active, that's you taking action, that's you being accountable. If you're one of these people, like, I'm not going to throw under the bus, but a family member of mine is like, oh, I haven't done anything in four weeks because the gym is closed. I'm like, your gym has online sessions, bodyweight exercises. You can join on Zoom every day. Yeah. Have access to training. Your desire to not take part in that is you being lazy. It's you Mm -hmm. not being action-oriented. Oh, yeah. So my advice to people is just whatever you do, do it with conviction, be consistent and take accountability. You're not, if your goal is to gain body, gain body weight through muscle and you don't have access to a gym, you are doing the wrong thing. Switch your perspective, switch your goals temporarily. You can always get back on that train. Yeah. And I think that's hard for a lot of people is just that is the switching goals temporarily because if you get so obsessed with, you know, you know, I would like in, in, and I'm getting a little better, but, but definitely when it first started, like I had a meet lined up for May 17th, it's rescheduled, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so, you know, wanting to put on that size, wanting to train for that. And then having that being taken away, it's, it's a mental blow. And then the idea of shifting and the, like you said, you know, the idea of maybe like being not as strong for a little while, changing goals and then going back to it. Uh, you, you're afraid that it won't come back or you're like, I was on a good run and now I'm not. You know? let's, let's be rational here. Okay. Yeah. You were, you were training for a meet. You were likely training quite heavy in terms of, you know, absolute percentage of your winter max. If you step away from that, the only reason you're not quote unquote, not going to be as strong is because you don't have the neurological input to express mm-hmm. strength. The chances of you losing muscle mass if you continue to train with, with a good intensity and you continue to eat well and you continue to do all the little things is very, very low. So when you get back, like the person who is still training hard and eating hard, when they get back to the weights, they're going to be ahead of where they were because their body's recovered. They might not immediately have the same ability to display strength, but they will have maintained their system in that you know high performance vehicle type analogy it's the person who steps completely away falls off the rails yeah they might lose muscle but uh, just as building muscle is hard you'd have to try really hard to lose a good amount of muscle for the most for most people mm-hmm. yeah i think that's where most people falter they don't understand that it's perspective it's it perspective. is you, you you're like, man, I can't use the barbell. It's like the barbell is some magical thing, you know, like 
look at how many massively jacked people never squat or deadlift. Like, yeah. or they only the, do it every other week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my god, just get out of your own way, and and that is probably the best advice I could give in so many realms of life. Is yeah. just get out of your own way and keep perspective on the big picture. Just as you cannot get stronger in one session, you also can't ruin everything if you're still trying as hard as you can. Yeah. And having that mindset where you need to be going at it every single day is more a detriment to yourself than anything. It's exhausting. Yeah, it is exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. Like I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to train right now, but... Oh, yeah. Like, my activity level has gone way down. I'm used to being on my feet for like 12 hours a day. And that's definitely impacting me mentally. Um, for sure. But I'm, I'm also not letting it uh, impact me to a point where I'm in like a woe is me position. Like I know that as soon as things get back to some normalcy, they whatever, if I gain any weight during this time, which I don't think is going to happen, but if I do, it's going to fall off because my activity level is going to go right back up. Your activity level is going to go right back up. But I think you, you alluded to something in your statement that I don't think many people may have paid attention to. It's that you're aware of how you're feeling. You're aware of the circumstances and that is allowing you to keep perspective on things. Yeah. And it it is, it's hard. It's very hard. My like, my mental health has definitely deteriorated some days more than others, but I'm very aware of that. I know why. And I'm making moves each day to deal with it as it comes. And, and I know this yeah, is temporary. The more you try to, the more, the more you try to act, the more, the more positively you'll feel. And have you and I had this conversation about crying? That crying I, is, well, we, we haven't, but I do know that crying is definitely, it, it, it releases stress. Like we literally okay. release cortisol through our tears. Yes. Okay. So we, we release cortisol through our tears. We're actually getting stress outs. Like, if you want to have a good cry, have a good cry, but then get back on your horse. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I can't lie. I had a good cry last night <laughs> and I feel hungover, but I feel better. Big fan of a good cry over here. I, that is, that is not something I've been able to physically do in years as a person. I get, cho- I've gotten choked up. Like I've had like, like that, like, Oh, it's a tear. That's really sweet. Or mostly in like positive situations, like when I'm happy for somebody, but uh, yeah, in all honesty and, and not on purpose, just. I used to be like that. I used yeah. to be a tough guy. I'm not though. Ask Amber. I'm a very emotionally aware person. Like I'm, I'm a teddy bear. I'm not a tough person. My my biggest issue is I don't. When it comes to crying, it's like I don't have time to cry. Or you're supposed to be. I I know that there's strength in being emotional, but it's it's like you're you're supposed to be this this strong figure, and I don't want to burden anybody with my emotions. I don't want to let anybody see that I'm struggling with anything and that's bullshit. (laughs) I'm going to turn that around on you for a second. So when someone confides in you and you're able to help them through a hard situation, how good does that feel for you? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, that's a big reason as to why I went down the route of like my careers. People find trust in you. And so why would you deprive someone of doing that for you? 
well, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coached. Coached. <laughs> and like, I know that. Like, yeah, logically, sure. I know that. But it's but challenging. It's, like, it's, it's very make. challenging. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, I, I agree. I agree with you, with you, Paul. Like, for me, like, when I'm upset, I, I do, I like talking about it. I'll, I will, I've, call, I've called Amber many times. Um, and she's actually one of my favorite, favorite people to call because she is, or you both, you know, like maybe in my mind, like she's not only in another country, you know, she's a different cultural perspective, you know, a different person. And I really like having such a different outside mm-hmm. view to, to confide in. Like it's a, a refreshing thing. I think everybody needs a, a support system and, and I think most people don't do enough talking and oh. um, I'm a little bit critical of this. It's okay to not be okay thing because I, I, th- I don't think it stops there. Um, I think it's okay to be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but you got to be willing to work to, to improve that situation because staying not okay is, is not a good idea. Um, oh, and people ride that. It's, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm not okay. And like, that's just okay. So I'm going to continue to not be okay. Yeah. What, what I'm getting at is like, <laughs> if you're not able to confide in someone close to you, or you think you need a professional outlook or a professional opinion, do not be afraid to go ask for that. That is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And like, I'm very open about the fact that I go see a therapist on a regular basis every week or every couple weeks because mm-hmm. it just helps me guide my internal dialogue. And like, even if I didn't have really good benefits through my job, I would still pay out of pocket for it because that's how valuable it is to me. And I've spoken to so many people who, you know, have these issues and can't work their way through them. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't, I'm not equipped to help you with this, but I think that if you had someone guide you a little bit, you'd be able to get through it. And when I hear people take that step, like for me, that's like, okay, this is great. You're going to be okay. Because asking for help is the first step. Accepting that's that. Also the hard, I think it's also the hardest step for most people. Yeah. Getting started is always the hardest. That, that initial inertia of decision-making is, is the hardest. And that's why we tr- kind of, that's why I think, you know, the bell let's talk and, and it's okay to not be okay. They do have benefits because it's, it reduces that inertia, reduces um, the, the friction that, that people might feel. It's like, well, if people are talking about this and I'm feeling it, like, it's okay. I can go ask for help or mm-hmm. any other way you want to spin it. But, uh, and you, you could, you could take, taking mental health off the table a little bit. It's like, it's the same with anything. It's like, okay, well, I want to start a diet. What's the best diet? Well, as soon as you, number one, there's no such thing. And if there was, everyone would be doing it. And number two, it doesn't really matter what the best diet is because all you have to do is make one small change to start that ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And whether it's mental health or training or nutrition or, you know, work or business, uh, earning money, it, it doesn't matter as long as you're able to just build one small thing on top of the other it removes that inertia because it's not some big change. It's like, okay, well, you know, I want to start a diet. I drink a lot of Coke, so I'm just going to not drink Coke. That's mm-hmm. a really easy change to make. If I drink two cans a day, I just cut 500 calories off my diet or whatever. So it's like, great. That's a perfect initial change. It starts the ball rolling and you get yeah. out of the way. And 
and some people can't do that on their own. They don't know what to do or where to make those changes and they need a coach. And so people like myself and Amber come into play. Um, but in reality, it's all about finding that one thing that can start you and, and help you keep moving forward. Yeah, and that's why I think um, what I really like about, you know, about the app um, and, and, and while you've been talking, I've been, you know, I've had it signed up and perusing it. It's really cool. I mean, there's actually, there's a lot on there. There's more than mm -hmm. I thought there was. Um, but like you said, it's, it's awareness and it's tools. Um, like I know, like here in the States, therapy is expensive. <laughs> oh man. It's and like, um, like I don't, I mean, I haven't had health insurance in two years because I can't afford it even through work. I wasn't able to get it. And then even now, right now, like I'm out of work. Um, so the, you know, the idea of having something where there's just, like you said, those guided principles and just more, more things that I can do to be aware. That's great. Like that's how that's, that's a huge tool. That's a really cool thing to have. Cause that's mm -hmm. something to learn. You know, um, yeah, because I think all of that does, it does play in, um, and that can help a lot. And like you said, it's just awareness is just that step. It's just the more direction and awareness you have, you know, that helps keep the momentum going for that. I really like how it's grown so much uh, with powerlifting, um, athletes in the powerlifting community, just in general, um, particularly because, you know, we're all kind of seen as these tough human beings that put ourselves through all this, I guess, hard stress shit every single day. And we're all really fucked up and crazy. And that's why we do this sport and we don't feel things or we shouldn't feel things. Um, and this has kind of like opened up that dialogue for a lot of people in the sport. Powerlifters are all misfits. Like, <laughs> we're all we all have a little bit of a screw loose and that's why I, I love Josh and Caroline because it's like <laughs> I love the name of their yeah we're all misfits all broken toys like all yeah. of us and, and we find self-worth in the barbell we find yes. things that we didn't know within ourselves were present because of a barbell mm -hmm. and I have always said that the barbell is a tremendous antidepressant but is a terrible therapeutic intervention because it's yeah. not you will learn stuff about yourself, but if you continue to rely on the barbell to teach you those lessons over time and you don't extend it beyond that, you know, I look at myself four years ago or like I was a mess, you know, physically I was a mess. I had knee surgery, I tore my quad, tore both pecs, tore my hip. Like I was a mess. And it's because I tried to use this barbell to, to teach me lessons that I wasn't willing to, to learn on my own. Um, and it wasn't until I stepped away and did that work on myself that I was able to come back to the barbell and see it for what it was. Um, the barbell is meant as a tool for self-improvement and not, uh, you know, self-mutilation, I guess you could say. Like, you're not punishing yourself by lifting. You're building yourself up. And, uh, and if that's one thing that people take away from this conversation as lifters, that, you know, you should use the barbell to improve yourself rather than beat yourself up that's like I, that's a win for me um and i've had a number of clients come to that realization and that always feels really good for me because 
they're not going to have to go through the same bullshit that I went through. Mm. And like, some people will come at it and be like, oh, well, you've made these mistakes, so why should I trust you to guide me? It's okay. Because if you I feel- have made those mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like, I made those mistakes so you don't have to. Exactly. That's always been- like- Sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Nicholas. No, no, go ahead. You first. I was just going to say, um, people realizing, or they go into it and they need the barbell, to, or they're going to ex- explode. Like, it, it helps me manage my anger. I'm a very angry person if I don't get to lift. You need to fucking work on that, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> the barbell isn't always going to be there, clearly. So. Yeah, clearly. What are you going to do with that anger when you don't have that? I've had it as well with like clients with eating disorders. They're like, yeah, I need to train six days a week or I think my eating disorder will take over. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not going to train you six days a week because you're not going to get better lifting six days a week. No. At that point, at that point, it's masturbation. Yeah. And then (laughs) you as a coach, if you, if you do allow that, you're just enabling it. You're enabling the disorder. Right. And I'm really annoyed that you didn't laugh at my joke about masturbation. But I did. But I, I thought that shit was funny. Because it's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it feels really good, but you're not getting laid. Exactly. <laughs> we can't talk about this topic because we're all in isolation right now. This is just not fair. Let's move on. That's what made it extra funny because it, it was so true. It hurt. Um, we can talk about social distance dating if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> I saw, I saw uh, really this, is, this is the only date I have is a pink teddy bear. He's yeah, the just, only thing I have. So like a, a cool little like sidebar. I saw a really funny meme that said social distance da- uh, is from, from like the perspective of a girl. Social distance dating, guys, we can't see each other. So write me a poem, send me some flowers. Um, you know, uh, and, you know, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk for real. Like I didn't. I'm paraphrasing, but it was very funny because like yeah, pretty much. Yeah, for sure. You actually have to get to know somebody before you do oh, stuff. Oh, shit. What? Oh, my God. What are people dating? Is I really know. hard. Mm-hmm. Who would yeah. have thought that dating would actually involve having to get to know someone and communicating? I know. Mm-hmm. Knowing their hopes and dreams. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be so many STDs once this thing is lifted. <laughs> Yeah, STDs and unwanted pregnancies. Unwanted pregnancy. Yeah, the yeah no, there. I saw someone's like yeah the at some point because either the people who are in relationships quarantine together or then after when this is over nine months after the ban you will have instead of baby boomers it'll be the quarantinis. Yeah, for sure. Totally. <laughs> Come up through it. Um, gosh, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. You know, it, it, it was it was a good joke. I liked it. Um, <laughs> but fuck, I totally had something, and then that I, I'm that fucking through. Well, now we all just have masturbation online. Fuck. And, and no, it was sex. So deprived. We all just. Is this a time where we can start crying? Is this an appropriate cry time? Like. <laughs> I think Amber is crying. It's like it's laughing, but deep down, we're weeping. Um, (laughs) Profound sadness. Uh. People listen to this like, wow, it was really good, good there. 
Masturbation got put on the table, then it got real sad. Oh, but people are going to relate. The amount of people uh, that are relating to this right now. Guys, <laughs> can we can we take a second to acknowledge the real heroes of this world, Pornhub.com? Oh, dude. <laughs> Just give, give it. No one has... Yes. Pornhub Premium is free. No credit card required. They're helping yeah. the Latin here. Yeah, like those guys, <laughs> not those all guys are, are the are the epitome of like selfless giving right now. Ugh. Selfless, selfless, or just saving the world one load at a time. <laughs> just like you know what, we care about you and your sanity. Here's how we can help: <laughs> free dicks. <laughs> uh, Oh, I wonder if you're gonna edit this part out. Huh? <laughs> oh fuck no. Uh, no. That's no fun at all. I really hope someone like sends it to Pornhub and they'd be like, thanks guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> thanks Sponsored for the free plug. We'll yeah. give you a nerds who live page. All right. <laughs> Just... This podcast sponsored by browsers. <laughs> uh uh, sponsored by cougar cougarlove.com. So, oh, <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> um, so yeah, health and mental wellness back to that. Um, no, I, and I, I really appreciate you know you taking the time to come on. I'm a- Amber said that it would be you know would be a good time with you, and she definitely was right. and um, I really, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting, like I said, I, 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 I that was my plan. I was, you know, I download the app while you're talking mm-hmm. and I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm going to, you know, commit to it and be able to get back to you and tell you, tell you how it's going. Um, and um, if you could maybe let everybody know how they can get a hold of you, um, sure. a little bit about the app. And then also just, I mean, even like, your other side hustle services and all that. Sure. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Paul Oneid, P-A-U-L-O-N-E-I-D. Um, drop me a DM if uh, you're interested in coaching or more questions about MetriLife, happy to answer. Uh, or you can find MetriLife at, at MetriLife, M-E-T-R-I-L-I-F-E underscore on Instagram or www.metrilife.com. Um, we're answering all of our DMs and you can email the website as well. Um, our website will have information on more on the app, kind of what our philosophies are. You can see all the amazing people that are involved in our company and um, kind of follow our blog about what's to come. And uh, yeah, my website for coaching is masterathletic.com. Uh, so I do coaching for powerlifting, athletics, and uh, nutrition. A um, bunch of different packages depending on kind of what you're interested in. And uh, yeah, so I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, I, I, anytime I get to talk about training or nutrition or metri life, it, it's always something I really, I really love. And, and each different person provides their own perspective. And I feel like every time I get on here, I learn a little bit more. So it's uh, it's always helpful. I'm, I really appreciate it, man. I, um, I was, I was just thinking, um, we I mean, we can like message about it later, but I'm, I'm going to start the app, you know, like I said, I, you know, officially today and I did it and I want to stay, I'll stay with it, uh, which I'm good at cause I'm a ritualistic person. I don't know if Amber wants to 
commit to being more consistent with it, but maybe we could plan either in a you know three weeks, four weeks, some like a lot of time. A check-in. Yeah, a little check-in, and then maybe we <laughs> can have a, a follow-up episode, and me and her can weigh in on what we found being consistent with it, what we've liked about it, and share with you our that experience, and then get your you know your yeah, your I, thoughts I, and reflections on that. I'd love that. I think that'd be that'd be awesome, and um, mm-hmm. you know. If uh, if anyone does listen to this, let us know that you heard about it from the Nerds Who Lift podcast, and, and we'll make sure to uh, to let you guys know as well, so we can get some get some info on who hears about it and stuff. Cool, that'd be yeah, that'd be really cool. That'd be really fun. And uh, and anytime you have, if you guys have anything coming up, I don't know, like I don't know if you guys do like promo or anything special with it. Like, let us know, and we'll you know we'll post about awesome. it and we'll, we'll share Definitely. about it because. Yeah, because me and Amber, we always, you know, we su- we support our friends, and so appreciate that's, it. Appreciate that's it. We're we trying to do. So, all right, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, and um, I I just uh, I'm I'm actually gonna shoot you a mess after this, so maybe you can have it because I had I wanna pick you. Sounds pick good, man. Going forward. forward. And um, yeah, man. Thanks. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on, Paul. It's always good to see you. Sure. Thanks, Amber. All right, guys. Bye. Bye, guys. All right, sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Nerd to Live podcast with Mr. Paul Lamid. So, as you guys can tell, he's hilarious, but he's also very smart. Um, so, I hope you guys took something away from that. We really love Paul. I really loved working with Paul, and I really like working with the Metro Life app since I started it during the interview with Paul. Literally, I signed up as he was talking. I've kept up with it, and it's been great for me. Uh, definitely holds me accountable, but that's how we make progress. So anyway, get on that. Check out Metri Life and you know, hit up Paul if you need anything. The man is truly a gem. All right, guys. Until next time, this is Nicholas, Miss Amber Dawn on the Nerd 2 Live podcast. <laughs>